The two times I felt most afraid in my entire life both had to do with my children. I'm talking about those heart moments where you think it's pounding so hard it's going to jump right out of your chest. One time was the one that I got a call that one of my kids had been rushed into the ICU and placed on a ventilator. The other was when I got a call that one of my kids had been placed in the back of a police car. So it makes sense to me that Mary felt afraid when she found out that she was expecting when she was just still a teenager herself. Not only was the timing of the pregnancy terrible, but her boy Jesus will march head on into a collision course with both the religious and political authorities. He will shock his mother when he evokes the hostilities of the elders at his hometown synagogue. And Jesus, her unexpected boy, will be humiliated on a cross, breathing his last between two common criminals. Mary was right to be afraid. I love what the poet David White said about having children. He said, there's never been a father or mother since the beginning of time who hasn't had their heart broken by a child. And they don't even need to do anything spectacular, he said, but usually they do. But all they really need to do is to move away from you, to grow out of the child you first knew, to grow out of infancy, and then one day leave the door. Be not afraid. A hundred times, more than a hundred times in the Bible, we are told, be not afraid, which lets us know for sure that God's people like us have always been afraid. Almost every story we read in this month of December as we prepare for Christmas tells us about someone being afraid. The shepherds quake, Joseph is stunned, Mary is perplexed, Herod is worried, the world is about to change. And as you look around at the world today, as you survey your own circle of loved ones, you too see it, right? Fear arises. I have a friend who worries over the holidays that he will take a drink and worry, and he will ruin the sobriety and the family harmony that it took him years to build. I have a friend who worries, who's afraid, because she fears our country is not doing enough to protect the environment and that our grandchildren will suffer because of our recklessness. We have plenty to fear, both globally and personally. Sometimes even wonderful things make us afraid, like what are we gonna do upon retirement or after graduation? Life will be different now. Who will we be in this new chapter? In today's story from the Bible, Mary and the angel Gabriel have a conversation. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you, begins the angel. But Mary was much perplexed, and she pondered, what sort of greeting might this be? Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will have a son, Jesus. And Mary says, how can this be? Or as one scholar summarizes her response, I don't get it. Mary resists the angel's words because Mary knows, she knows that God is not in her. 
She knows she isn't worthy. She's afraid that she is not a fitting container for the uncontainable love of God. How could a humble peasant teenage girl in Galilee give birth to the savior of the world? If you have ever felt inadequate or incapable or stuck or anxious, then you know how Mary felt. The biggest fear is that there is no divine spark of God growing within our hearts. Last December, Peter Aguero shared his story on the Moth podcast. Peter came home from his first semester after college, and he found when he walked into the door with his laundry bag that most of the furniture in mom's house was gone. His mom, who had also become his dear friend, was working two jobs to make ends meet, one as a nurse and one as a sales lady at the perfume counter. And she set Peter down at the kitchen table where there were now only two chairs. The other two had been sold off. And she explained to him that there would not be enough money for them to exchange gifts over Christmas. And Peter remembered how his dad had walked out on Christmas Eve four years earlier and had never come back. Since then, mom had struggled to make ends meet. The mortgage payment was too big of a burden for her. She had sold off the furniture piece by piece, first the dining room set, then the bedroom set, then the piano. They still had two TVs stacked one on top of the other. One played sound and the other played the picture so they could watch the specials. Peter had known for years that his mom needed to sell that big house and start over in a more modest place. The house was too big for two people and it had been too big when the whole family was still intact. But mom was proud. She wasn't going to give up. She forced Peter out the door to college. He had to borrow every dime to pay tuition, but mom insisted they would get through. Peter explained to his mom that gifts wouldn't have to be given. He was okay with that, but he had this idea of something they could do that would bond them. They would each cut out pictures of what they would like to give one another for Christmas if money was no object. And mom agreed. And so on Christmas morning, when mom came down the stairs in her robe and hair curlers, he said, Merry Christmas. And he was waiting there to give her the gifts. And she said, oh, hold on. And she went back upstairs, and she was gone for a while, and then she came back down with her gifts. And Peter said, open mine first. And she opened a picture of a mahogany four-poster bedroom suit, a green Jaguar car, a dining room set, some glittering diamond jewelry, and a baby grand piano. She smiled and thanked him, and then he opened his, just three gifts, a bag of Reese's Pieces peanut butter cups, a pair of Homer Simpson bedroom slippers, and a karaoke machine. Peter looked puzzled, and then he realized Mom had forgotten, and these were the only things she could find in the Rite Aid catalog that was tucked in her bathroom cabinet at the last minute. Both of them laughed together, because they both knew that Mama had been working way too hard at two jobs to even complete this assignment. And Peter went back to college, and two months later, he stopped at his mailbox. Do you remember what mailboxes are? Okay. Well, he stopped at his, and there was the long-awaited Christmas gift. 
He could see mom's return address, the postmark there. It was surely from her. He opened it up. There was no note, just a picture of mom standing out in front of that big old house next to a for sale sign. And he was so happy, not only that mom was finally going to get on her feet financially, but he knew finally, I got my girl back. Sometimes our biggest fear is our own emptiness, our own unworthiness. We fear that we cannot deliver good news. We fear that we have nothing inside to offer. We fear God is not in us. The angel says to that perplexed teenage girl named Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you for nothing will be impossible with God. It's not that Mary becomes more self-confident. It's that Mary realizes in the midst of her own fear, God invades her life with a holy presence. And that is how Mary is enabled to model for us the boldness of our faith. And when Mary finally answers the angel's summons, she uses the same words that Moses had used when God invited Moses to go and set God's people free from bondage and slavery in Egypt. The same exact words that the prophet Isaiah had used when Isaiah was sent by God to speak on God's behalf. Mary quotes Moses and Isaiah saying, Here am I. Here am I. Mary says, God, I'm game. I'm willing. Use my life. You know, back in the early days of the church, when churches were first being built, some built baptistries, not in the shape of our baptistry, which is really in a rectangle, some churches in the early days built the baptistry in the shape of a circle to remind them of Mary's womb. It was a reminder that when all of us go through the process of becoming Christian, we too rise up out of those living waters and are born anew. All of us can be like Mary, God's vessel, empowered by God's presence, to do what is completely impossible. Not because we stop being afraid, but because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is with us. Sometimes we think, well, surely God only calls people to do spectacular things, like Mother Teresa being sent to Calcutta to take care of the poor children in India starving on the streets. Or we think that God probably called someone like Nelson Mandela to bring about peace and forgiveness in South Africa. But Mary's story reminds us that God calls the little people the ordinary people, folks who felt inadequate like us. Sophie struggles with mental health issues. Her husband was dealing in drugs, and Sophie turned to those illegal drugs to help her through her own mental health crisis. When she appeared in federal court on drug charges, she opted to cooperate with the prosecution. The judge saw in Sophie some promise, some hope, and so she was given a shortened sentence, but ordered to write the judge 
once a quarter to check in on her progress. After serving two years in prison and completing a drug rehab program, Sophie went home to raise her two kids. Getting a job was a struggle with her record, but Sophie persevered. She wanted to raise enough money that she could take care of her kids on her own. On the first day of her new job, her car was stolen from the job site. And shortly thereafter, she discovered that her dog was seriously ill. When she wrote to the judge, she said, I know God's got me, and I'm just trying to follow God's directions for me. And she knew that Christmas was just around the corner. And so she wrote to the judge, I'm still broke, but that's okay because you cannot replace the presence of God with those presents under the tree. I wonder if the judge had not believed in her, had not given her a chance, if she would have found the courage to begin that new life. Sophie, you see, experienced what Mary experienced, God with us. It isn't that she stopped being afraid, but she started trusting in God trusting that God chose to partner with her in the creative and redemptive work of love in this world, and a divine human partnership was born. God comes to Mary, who, like all of us, lives in a world full of fear, and God invites Mary to turn. And Mary answers this frightening question from God with these words. Let it be with me, according to your word. The Beatles made Mary's words famous with their song, Let It Be. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. Let it be. The question remains for you and for me. God invites us to let our lives give birth to the holy love of God. How will we answer God's invitation?